Fighters, this podcast is brought to you in part by New School Wrestling's History in the Making. November 28, 2021, the Columbus Club of Hamilton, 222 Queenston Road. It's going to be a great show. In the main event, Stratosphere will defend the NSW World Championship against Mike Forte. It's going to be one hell of a match. It's going to be one hell of a show, folks. Bell time is 4 o'clock. We're going to put the link to that show in the description of this episode. From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to a book. Hey, do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to And this is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I appreciate every single click that that play button gets. And there are a ton of play buttons out there that you can be pressing. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. We are part of the Wrestling With Genres Network. And we are part of the OIW, the Ontario Independent Wrestling Podcast Network. And, of course, you can go over to itstimetofight.ca. And you can listen to every single episode of this incarnation of It's Time to Fight podcast. So go over there and check out itstimetofight.ca. WWE uh, conducted a bunch of releases. Everybody has spoken at nauseum about these releases. I'm not going to talk about the releases. There's a lot of people on the list who I enjoyed. There were some people that I was surprised. I'm a huge Keith Lee fan. I'm a huge Mia Yim fan. I, I, I'm. There was names on the list that I, I don't agree with, or I, I shouldn't say I, I agree or disagree. You know, it's just I've always been the type that said it's WWE's choice who they employ and who they don't. Keith Lee, you know, all these people, everyone on these lists, these 18 people. Can, can go anywhere and make a star out of themselves. And maybe it's a little subjective, you know, whether, you know, because every time there's a, a group of these releases, people are just like, oh, my God, they were so underutilized. Oh, my God, WWE doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, oh, they're just such a waste. They're going to go, and they are going to be superstars Elsewhere, They are going to go somewhere else, and they are going to rub Vince McMahon's nose in the pile of dog shit that they are going to serve him. And I, I think that's subjective. I really do. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day about all the releases that have happened in 2020 and 2021, and people who have reached the end of their non-compete clause, you know, how many people have actually really you know, made a splash and make a mark and, you know, have really done something. Again, that's that's subjective. What, uh, what I do take exception to is all the people who say, why would someone want to work for WWE anymore? Why would someone 
want to even try to work for WWE when they're just going to hold them down. Nobody makes it in WWE. Nobody breaks through the glass ceiling. Nobody makes a name for themselves. You know what? Roman Reigns didn't just appear. Seth Rollins was not some sort of immaculate conception. Bobby Lashley, you know, he came up from, you know, from the bottom of the card to the top of the card. It may have taken quite a while and a, a trip to uh, TNA. But all these, like, some people click, some people don't. And you know what? It's Vince McMahon's yard. He gets to decide to, or he gets to decide who plays in it and who he feels is going to benefit his company the most. That's that's that. But the people who say why, like, who would want to work for WWE anymore? I think there is still a mentality out there of make it, maintain it, main event it. Make it to WWE. There is still a demographic out there that grew up with WWE being the, just the, the pedestal of all of wrestling. You know, making it to WWE. Maintaining it in WWE. A lot of the people, you know, 18 names last week, didn't maintain it in WWE for whatever reason. I do not pretend to know why these people have left WWE or released from WWE. But they didn't maintain in WWE. WWE decided, we don't need these guys anymore. We don't want these guys anymore for whatever reason. And main event it. And I'm not talking WrestleMania. I'm talking being the main event of a Raw, being the main event of a SmackDown, being the main event of Hell in the Cell, or SummerSlam, or WrestleMania. There is still a mentality out there that if you can make it, maintain it, main event it, that is still a goal. That is still something, especially now. People say, oh, well, people aren't going to break through. You know what? If somebody makes it to WWE, maintains it in WWE, and then main events WWE, apparently that's some kind of rarity. That's some kind of anomaly. That's something that never happens. So if somebody can get into that system and do it, then I guess they are just a miracle, an absolute miracle. And I think achieving that miracle is still something people want to do. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If Vince McMahon, and I'm not a WWE guy. You guys know that. I say that all the time. I don't watch WWE. I don't watch AEW. I'm not into the big two. But you know what? If, if Vince McMahon called me up tomorrow and said, you know, like, hey, pal, you know, my, my lawn needs to get cut, and if you go out there and, and you mow my lawn buck-ass naked, <laughs> I'll let you ring announce one match on a house show. I'm stripping down to my to my skivvies, and I'm mowing the lawn. No, not my skivvies. I'm stripping down to my birthday suit, and I'm mowing the damn lawn for Vince McMahon just to ring announce one match on a house show. No promises. I'd do it. I really would do it. That's That's just me. I just think that mentality's still out there. All right, Mikey. Every night is uh, is on the show today. Uh, I I don't want to say it's a weird interview. It just seemed like we were kind of we, we kind of kayfabed here, but we didn't kayfabe there, and we you know we we were t talking kind of you know old school here, but we were talking kind of new school here, and you know it was it was kind of a back and forth interview, but. I think I, I think I mentioned it in the interview, but if I don't, I'm going to mention it now. Um, 
I, I, I go on YouTube and I just click, 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 click. And I came across, I was looking for Daniel Garcia. And I came across Daniel Garcia versus Mikey every night. And so I, I, when you watch YouTube, I'm sure everybody knows that videos that kind of are similar or associated with it, they're down the right side there. Um, there was other stuff from Mikey every night. So I'm like, okay, well, I went down the Daniel Garcia rabbit hole. Now I'll go down the Mikey every night rabbit hole. And I started to notice the guy wrestles close to me quite often. So I did a little more research and I realized, hey, this guy's in Buffalo. I got to talk to this guy. Uh, I got to get him on the show because I was I, I liked what I saw. I was impressed with Mikey every night. So I got Mikey on the show. I really appreciated getting to know him and uh, get learning, uh, you know, what he has done, uh, what brought him to this point, what uh, what brought him to being, as he puts it, the coach at Wrestlers Anonymous. I think it's a great talk. I'm not going to waste any more time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to fight with Mikey every night. All right, as I said to you when I reached out to you, um, like I, I'm the type that I'm on YouTube and I'm always clicking on like local or you know actually all over wrestling videos, and I came across Mikey overnight or every night. Oh, I I, I kept someone asked me today uh, if I was doing an interview and I said yeah I'm interviewing Mikey overnight for some reason and I'm like it's not overnight it's every night, and all day I've been like oh please don't say that please don't say that please don't say that, and I'm not even a minute in and I've done it. Anyway, so I came across you, and uh, then I realized that uh, you're actually a. Uh, are you Buffalo, like specifically, or just more New York, New York? No, I live in Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo. Okay, so you are Buffalo. Um, South Buffalo, specifically, if that means anything to your audience. But oh, okay. <laughs> there is a cultural difference in our city, and I exemplify our South Buffalo culture. All right. Um, so I'm going to ask you the, the, the first kind of obvious question, the name every night. Is this A, a real name, which I doubt, B, that you're ready to wrestle every night, or C, you're ready to love every night? All three. All three. Is is every night actually your real last name? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry? But their doubts and questions were valid. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's there for. Yeah. All right, so I, I, I came across something that says that you're uh, you're 38 years old, correct? Correct. So how long have you been doing this? 13 years. 13 years. years. 14 years. After the first of the year. Oh, okay. So 14 years... And you're a product of uh, Grapplers Anonymous? Um, yeah, you could say that. Um, I originally was trained early on locally, you know, like the, most people get trained, you know, around that time period. You hang around, help with the ring. People let you bump around. Eventually, you know, you start paying them a little bit. They show you what to do. And then over a period of time, they put you on shows. Quality of training, I wouldn't say it was great, but for what I paid for it, I guess, you know, it was 
quite relatively inexpensive because I walked kind of right into the business. Like they let me kind of wrestle, you know, I, I was prepared to train and do all this hard work and then you did a little bit of it, but, but once I got in and started having matches and getting booked other places, you know, how everybody, every, every young journeyman starts trying to get booked on local shows. Uh, eventually you realize that there's some sort of value, but the training you received in comparison to other performers on the show was quite substandard, at least business practice wise, sub substandard. So about five, six years in, uh, a couple of business for, uh, businessmen, friends of mine, you know, help start fund, uh, grapplers anonymous. I didn't know how to train people because once again, I was poorly trained locally. So I immediately reached out to the most credible person in our area, uh, Pepper Parks, Jesse, the blade. And, uh, through his time and effort and graciousness, him and his uh, wife, Laura, they came through and helped retrain me for a couple of weeks. And then it turned into a couple months and eventually Brandon Thurston, you know, being the wrestler that he is started coming around and we kind of formulated how we would have liked to been trained, set it to a higher standard. There's a reason why, people make it to a certain level in wrestling. Sure. You want to be around and hang out with your friends and, you know, have a, you know, have a good show and be, you know, part of the team and do good and, you know, help promoters sell tickets. So you get paid things like that, but really, you know, there is something greater that can be taught something intrinsic inside of people. You can pull out of them to where it's not, doesn't feel like a hobby. You're having fun doing the business that you like and that's grapplers anonymous okay. that started seven and a half years ago okay and so are you part of the training team there i'm the coach you're the coach i, I got the key <laughs> okay so what what exactly what exactly is the coach at grapplers anonymous well, i train people on fundamentals and psychology and you know physical fitness and psychology and business practices and what does it mean to be responsible and what it is to do good business all combined into one. You're a mentor, you're a father figure, you're a psychologist, you're a divorce lawyer, you know, you're, building you're a permit. marriage counselor, <laughs> everything, everything under the sun. But you do these things for these grown people because we don't train anybody under 18. You know, that's just, one, a legal liability, and two, you know, we're trying to prepare adults for an adult business. It's, you know, sure, we're all going to have fun, and, you know, not everybody makes it to the top, but some do, and it can be done. And those are the people we're looking for. That's the culture we're trying to foster. Okay. So backing up a little bit, when you first got in and you said you were helping with the ring and you were, you know, helping where you could – um, you don't have to name names, but who 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 do you credit as getting your foot in the door, or maybe what company, or you know who, well, who kind who kind of helped you guide it, guide you into this? Well, no, there was a local company right down the street. I could walk to the buildings and did many times. It was called Old School Pro Wrestling in South Buffalo. Basically, it was where they ran. 
and my brother had been trained a little while before me and, uh, you know, a couple of years, but he's younger. And so he was already in the business, you know, kind of like working since he was like 18 uh, locally. And then he kind of fell out of it, you know, and like most people and they move away or, you know, he was doing something else for the, you know, uh, and ironically, there's a long story with Puff and Puff's grandfather. There's a lot of like lore and history inter and just random. I don't believe in random chance, but coincidence is too, too much and at least locally for us. But anyways, so when I started training and having matches and, and getting booked, uh, the people that helped me there were the people like there's a guy named Trip who helped me as much as kind of, well, I a lot, uh, ignorance is bliss, I guess. Was, we'll leave it at that. Okay. But outside of that, you know, you kind of figure out the carny hustle game. I don't. I, I was a grown man. I already lived a grown man's life before I got into pro wrestling. You know, I didn't. You know, I, I lived on my own since I was young. So, you know, I didn't go into this with a young kid's mentality. I was older. Yeah. I felt so much older than the younger people that I was, that were my peers, you know, just because, you know, that's just how life is. But once we, you know, started training and having good matches there and driving to the Finger Lakes part of New York for pizza and water, which is woven into our New York lore, you know, just, you do those things because you care about pro wrestling. You care about the whys and the whens and, some of the people, there have been hundreds of people locally, not hundreds, but over a hundred that have come and gone. Flashes in the pan, you know, have a couple matches and don't stay in very long. Even some of the people we train, you know, we've pushed over the last seven years, probably 25 trained wrestlers. What we would consider trained wrestlers is like having more than like 20 matches, you know, and then dropping out of the business. But well, oh no, you go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna say that that's kind of the story for a lot of wrestling schools. Like I came up through uh, Battleground Academy in uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and even though I didn't participate in the training, I was there for several classes. And every new term, if you will, there was ten, fifteen, twenty people. You know, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a wrestler. And then week two. That was down to, you know, five, six, seven people. And then, you know, you move on. By the time that year is done or that term is done, you're down to one, maybe two. Like that that's that's a common <laughs> that's a common wrestling school uh a story, I should say. Yeah. Well because of the the training and the lack of knowing how to get paid, you can't teach people how to get paid if you've never if the people do taught you never you know taught you how to get paid or recognize your own and not even just monetary recognize your own value and what's a valuable booking and what's just a rep for experience and what's to help build the company those are all different business psychologies that you have to instill into new people more than anything else now now that you bring up a good point and a point that I'm actually very interested in because I have a wrestling promotion called Mon or uh, Moonshine Branded Wrestling and wow. that is something that has always 
That 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 like I want to pay the guys. I want to pay the guys their value. But sometimes when a newer guy is is in for a year, maybe year and a half, like they've been wrestling, like they they've been green lit and they're out of training, they're a year, year and a half in. Like I I always wonder like well you know do I give them do I give them twenty bucks for being here do I give them gas money, um you know has he has he you know has he paid enough dues that you know maybe I give him fifty bucks or something like that it's like what 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 do you quantify as you know getting the experience you know gas money like what what kind of what do you tell students that like you know this is what kind of what you're looking for and this is kind of what you should expect? Well, first of all, they have to value the experience over anything because we know that's the most valuable thing. What you know, Are you going to wrestle somebody who is a, a good opponent for you? Is it going to be a good match in which you can have the footage, will be well promoted? Take those things into account. I mean, if how much notability and, you know, does the promotion have? You know, it might be, you know, advantageous to take less money to drive farther to be involved on a promotion that you might be seeing to help expand and spread. Or do I need to fill the rep for the weekend? But still, how can you get the other promotion over? I try to instill them, you know, there's a thing, an easy app. I'm not a big fan of technology, but it is an easy app for most young people. Uh, it's called a gas calculator. And, you know, it estimates the local gas prices all the way. And if you can get that for a valuable experience, and maybe a cheeseburger afterwards, that's pretty good for a first-year guy. If it's, you know, going to be profitable, you know, in the long run. If you're going to meet people, because you always meet people who are going to explode on those shows that you might not make a lot of money on, you know, you got to worry about your t-shirt sales. You got to worry about, you know, your marketable gimmick. Is it worthwhile bringing back? You know, a promoter has a lot of, you know, things to consider on their end. You know, is this person going to help out? Are they going to be good in the locker room? Not just, are they good in the ring? Mm -hmm. You know, get the people excited. Sure. You know, and that should be the ultimate thing, but all, you know, it's a give and take game. Yeah, um, I I usually try to. As, as it's funny that you said you know gas money and a cheeseburger. Usually, if I can give them gas money and there's pizza left over in the canteen, and I tell them just to go at it, I I feel good for like a younger guy like that, like first year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably because my upbringing again in at battleground was if you're getting gas money and food, then you're laughing like that's that's great and the experience as you say like getting in the ring getting the experience making the contacts uh you know getting the exposure there there are too many like-minded and talented individuals not to break through for not to make a good connection unless you're a good person you know these things are pretty easy i think uh but you have to teach somebody who's you know might not be accustomed to the business culture of pro wrestling to think and act a certain way, you know, developing thick skin, you know, you're going to hear things now because everybody's subject to opinion that you might not want to hear, you know, learn to take it, roll with it. 
don't take everything personal. There's a term that I, I heard once that uh, like a young guy being too nice to be in the wrestling business. And one of the aspects of that was just taking what the promoter is giving you. How yeah. how insistent like, you know, because there are there are young kids out there that, you know, ah here you go, kid. Here's 20 bucks. Be happy with it. And there are young kids that will be just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, well, you shouldn't be satisfied with thank you, thank you, thank you for a young performer in the business because you have goals to achieve or should at least be setting them for yourself. And if you can't at least do that, instill some sort of value in yourself, then how is the audience going to translate into value? Are you going to go through the curtain with that on your mind? Are you going to have to go through the curtain with all the predispositions of how you do business? Sure, but that all should fade away knowing that. You know, no matter what, you're there to provide a service and get the best out of it as, as you possibly can. Sometimes it happens. Promoters will say, hey, brother, the house was light, right? And try to short you, let's say that valuable $20 that might have been a little bit of profit. And now you're eating 10 bucks in gas. These are all realistically things. Oh, $10 shouldn't break the bank. Sure. But if you set a goal for the, yourself to entertain that crowd to make yourself more valuable, then that $10 should be earned and it should be there. Once again, you're dealing with performer and promoters own self and personal interests. The compromise is somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I was at an indie show. So I can't, I, I wish I could remember where it was, but there was these two young guys. Uh, they came out of a local school and the crowd, I was in the crowd, and the crowd was so dead. Like, they just, no one was grabbing them. From the moment yeah, the night yeah. started, no one was, like, just gripping them or bringing them in. And these two young guys, they get in there, and for whatever reason, the crowd just got into them. And they worked with the crowd, they talked with the crowd, you know, like they were playing the crowd. And just by the end of it, these guys just, they had the crowd into and they weren't doing anything overly like amazing they were doing a very simple story and it just it grabbed everybody and i knew the promoter that's why it's bugging me that i can't remember who it was and he said that he just the fact that they did that he 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 padded the envelope a little bit just because uh, they, they they only they yeah. said just you know give us a few bucks because they just showed up and said hey we just want a few bucks and the promoter said, like, you know, you earned more than a few bucks. And they earned another few bookings as well because they became popular in the local area. That's your job. Yeah. As a performer, that's your job. That instills value so that the next promoter 150 miles down the road, you know, thinks the same way yeah. and would like that same service. But training yeah. fundamentally, you know, you have to be a safe worker. You know, going get, you know, just being in the ring is only 15%. The physical is only 15% of what they do, we do. Yeah. It's 85% mental. But being prepared physically, not only cardiovascularly trained, having good business psychology of how to work with people, the old, the old cliche is style. What style? The best style is called being a chameleon having that adaptability to be able to transfer 
you know, your heat or your, you know, getting over to the other person without seamlessly having to take them out of their game, maybe elevate them, but not sure, certainly not take them out of their game. I love the fact that you referenced a chameleon. <laughs> That's one of my favorite references of all. I love referencing chameleons and like their ability to change and their ability to adapt. I mean, it's just a cliche, but yeah. realistically, that's 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 value. And promoters recognize and realize things like that. And you have that ingrained in your mind, even if you're doing one, uh, one or two shot stopover somewhere. You know, you still want to go there and, and get over because then you know, you know, a year down the road, if the same people are in charge, which that's in a whole other basket of apples we could talk about. Um, then you have a job yeah. and then you can ask for five more dollars or whatever floats your boat. Now to kind of back up, you mentioned how your brother was in the wrestling business. Uh, to back up even more is, is the whole family wrestling fans or just you and your brother? Um, yeah, I was like a fan in the nineties, you know, in the early two thousands, like everybody, I think my age, but, you know, I fell out of it in the early 2000s, like really, because I was just doing like different things with life. And then when I got back into it, we were just messing around with our friends in the backyard. Familiar story with most people. I mean, I was like kind of a grown man doing it, so it felt like weird. And then my brother was still a kid, though, but he was 18 and when he got pro trained. And then he was doing it for a couple of years and I kind of like cheerleaded him from sidelines, you know. And then one day... A chance of you know encounter with Puff's grandfather, and then I got involved, and then that, that's my story. But my brother was you know at one point uh, my favorite wrestler to watch because it was unpredictable. It was good, safe, solid work, but you never knew what the, what the hell he was going to do. He could pick you up, or he could flip, or whatever. For a big guy, that was pretty impressive. And anything he can do, I can do, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, so oh, go ahead, Mike. I was just gonna say. So we uh, like was there was there uh, was there a time period where you guys were like teaming or just doing a lot of the traveling together? Yeah. I mean, we got along. I mean, you know, we we're best friends, but traveling and stuff. Yeah, they stuck us as a team locally for a long time. Uh. And it was just a size dynamic. I'm quite a small guy, and he's a bigger guy. Oh, okay. And we're genetically, you know, at least according to our parents, had the same parents. But we couldn't be any more physically different. Uh, I think it was more of a rib on that than anything else. Like, oh, put these two brothers together. They just unbelievable. You can't. But we worked well together. We understood. One time we deviated from our baby face plan. And he took the heat, and it did not work. <laughs> so we had our formula that worked every yeah. time. But, you know, eventually, after chasing our local titles that we've been getting our asses beat for almost there for years, we, you know, we had a good moment in front of our parents, you know, finally got the gimmick, you know, the little belt. And so, you know, I guess it was worth it in the end. But, you know, he's on doing different things with his life now. We're happy, proud of him. 
But here at the gym, we just keep pushing each other forward. You know, does uh, like, does the brother ever stop in maybe and you know take a bump here or there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Once in a, yeah, once in a while when uh, you know we're running hard drills or something, he'll show a you know textbook headlock takeover or all right, this is how you you can slam somebody and make it look hard but not crush them. You know, here little tips and tricks how to throw a proper solid forearm. You know, it makes contact that looks good and it's fundamentally sound. It doesn't, you don't wake up the next day going, I didn't get hit by a truck yesterday, did I? <laughs> so he still gets a little itch every once in a while to, to get in the, get in between the ropes? Yeah, occasionally. He just, yeah, he doesn't like wrestle on shows or anything, but yeah. he'll, he'll come, you know, work out and stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah. We have a good culture here. You know what I mean? We got a rotating crew of about 20 people who I pretty see regularly on a monthly basis. Uh, and we do live streams, which we're doing one today. Um, and, you know, just waiting for New York State to be less stringent on their shows. And then uh, we'll be running a show soon within like a month and a half. But it's just right now dealing with the Athletic Commission. And, you know, it's not what we're doing. It's what other people's doing that's getting them upset. So yeah. it's got, I like to keep my eyes and ears open. In my head down until it's time. The time is right. But more than anything else, you know, it's giving opportunities to young people. They're important. We don't have them. The business dies. So you, you mentioned uh, Puff a few times. Uh, I've I've gotten to meet Puff. Gotten to know Puff. Uh, Puff is uh, definitely uh, a laugh and a half. Um, what what kind of relationship do you have with him? Yeah, I mean, it comes and goes. I, I mean, I love him, obviously, you know. I did that game a chance, I think, when probably nobody else really would, uh, just because he's a nice guy and uh, he means well. But physically, when he, when Puff first came around, it, you know, it, it wasn't there. So he worked hard on it a lot for a long time. And then he pushed through. But his personality was going to push him through. We kind of saw it. Well, I saw it, I think, early on. But I think we all kind of saw it slightly after that, that there was something there personality-wise that you just kind of can't teach people. Like living in the moment. It's usually the most, uh, you know, people who, you know, because Puff's a big guy. So I, th I believe that he he took all that inward you know, whatever feelings he had about himself and he worked hard, he worked out, he got in shape, he dedicated. I saw him every day. We, you know, he was here all the time. I mean, um, and he, I think he, he took it out to like, look, look what I can do. I have this special talent now that I can be in the ring and I, you know, I have an outlet for it. Cause I believe Puff would be a great stand up comedian if he didn't do wrestling I believe that, you know, he's a, a talented guy. He can do something. You put a camera in front of him, he's anything. But pro wrestling, I think, appealed to him at a certain time in his life when I think he needed it. And once again, I have a weird thread connection with his grandfather and why even I'm even standing here and talking to you in the first place. But, you know, it was 49% him doing the hard work and 51% 
owing his grandfather a favor. Okay. Um, what are some of the other names that have gone through? Because I, I think I know a few, but I don't want to misquote myself. But what are some of the other names that people would be familiar with that have gone through um, Grafflers Anonymous? Well, who do you think is trained here? Uh, okay. Put me on the spot. I'm pretty sure Daniel Garcia went through there, did he not? Yeah, it's my son. Is that your son? Okay. I mean, he could be. Oh, he could be. Okay. Well, <laughs> he lives on the street. He old enough to be my son. Jeez, man! Like I'm saying, what? That's your son? Like, oh my god! This podcast just went a whole different direction. Getting <laughs> hop in his DMs. I'm sorry. What was that? Ask him about it. Hop in his DMs. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So Daniel Garcia. Um, Myung J. Lee, didn't he go through Grafflers Anonymous? Oh, yeah. That's my other son. That's your other son. Yeah, you can hop in his DMs, too. See, and that's possible because I know he's adopted. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I'm a second dad. So <laughs> if you would have said, yeah, I'm his father, I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, I know he's Asian and everything, but I know he's adopted because I had him on another podcast. I'm like, I know he's adopted, so that's actually possible. <laughs> I'm the third father. You're the third father? <laughs> All right. So, and I'm I'm guessing, um, you know, obviously Puff went through. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin Blackwood. Blackwood. That's sorry. That's the other one I was trying to think of was Blackwood, because he's uh, he's been doing a lot up with uh, C4 in Ottawa. Yeah. Those guys went took a chance. They got in a car. You know, were friendly, good people to be around. Made the most of their opportunities and. I think, you know, C4 helped get them places, got them seen, helped them get opportunities elsewhere to be seen, and good networking connections. But uh, these people that we just described, I mean, for everyone that, I, you know, we just mentioned right now, there's four or five that you probably haven't really heard about that are, I believe, you know, is talented, just given, if they were given the opportunity and seen at the right time. Um, I, I have to say, like, I, I got on the Daniel Garcia train a little late. Uh, I knew he was doing his stuff with C4, and I had heard the name here and there, but I kind of got on the train a little late, and there there are kind of phases with me. There are where I see people, and I just go, wow, in the wrestling business. And, like, when I was very young, obviously, it was Hogan and Andre. And then as oh. I got older, um, you know, I, you kind of got used to that style. But then I started like the the Rey Mysterio in that style, and then it turned into Alex Shelley in that style, and um, I hadn't said wow in a while. I really wow. like Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of like him too. Nice like guy. the thing that, uh, and yeah. uh, I was discussing this with someone else was one of the things that I loved is the fact that he's always he's always doing something. Like whether if he's being pinned, he he's just he's always fighting out of it. He's always he's always doing something, and he's making, he's making you believe. He is. He's making you believe. It's as if it's a real competition, and I absolutely love that. And I've seen people do that, but he is so amazing at it. Where it's so real, like you would think they were in a wrestling fight or not, not even a fight, a wrestling match. Like it's, it's by the rules and it's by these guidelines, 
but he's just so realistic and i he he's he's someone that has made me say wow and i haven't said wow in a long time it, I, wow because he's beating your ass he's making you fight back exactly. he's making he's making his opponent believe yeah which translates to the audience I mean, not just him, everything that we do, every performer, that's their job in their own unique way that they create in the moment. It's like air sculpting. No matter how much locker room kung fu you remember, if it doesn't look instinctual and looks intellectual, then it's easier for the audience to be taken out of it. It's our job to make them believe it's not real. This unbelievable thing just happened in front of my eyes. It could be just... How do you fight out of a chin lock from underneath? How do you snatch a head scissor? How do you kick out of a leg sweep? It's all those little fundamentals, all those little things. He's not killing anybody or, you know, hurting them or anything, but he's beating you up, making you fight back. And that's his style. That's what he likes. And that's what he came into wanting to do in his being. And he's learned to translate it. There's a whole bunch of different people here with all these different quote unquote styles that I believe are just as talented. I mean, he knows that. He'll tell you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to change gear a little bit here. I found a review of Mikey Every Night. Ooh, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of dissect it a little bit here. Sure. Mikey has become one of my favorite people. This is by someone by the name of Gary Thomas, by the way. Never heard. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Mike, Thank Mikey you, Gary. has become one of my favorite people to watch in ESW. I'm assuming that's Empire. Yeah. Uh, he reminds me of a mix between Raven and Baron Von Raschke. Super intense and mysterious. He's easily going to be the breakout star of the patron saints, while the other two fade to obscurity. His mix of technical wrestling and hard-hitting kicks and stomps make him a standout as one of the hardest strikers in the area. So what is your initial reaction when I read that to you? Um, I appreciate the gentleman kind words. Um, yeah, that we, we tried. We, we tried to be the breakout star and stuff, but, you know, wrestling has this way of doing things. And, you know, that company, ESW, you know. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, but, yeah, if, if, thank you, if this guy's praising any of my work, it's because I'm beating your ass. <laughs> I'm a little silly guy. Um, I want you to fight back and believe. And mysterious, that's why you asked me earlier if my name was real or not and you doubted it. That's why, well, we're going to leave that there. <laughs> It's Raven and what was the other comparison? Raven and what? Baron von Raschke, which I thought was kind of obscure. Like I came up with Baron von Raschke, like that's who I grew up with. So when I saw well, that name, because that's a name you don't hear very often. Uh, that, yeah, to me, I think that's a that's a compliment there for that because I would have never thought of either one. But that's I sure did squeeze a man's trapezius muscle really hard. So no. I guess I guess that works. Very much. Like if somebody said they, I reminded them of Baron Von Raschke, I would not scoff at that. Yeah, uh, help that's a, that's help me out. Who who are the other patron saints? Um, that was Steve Gage and Terrell Kenneth. And I believe both of them had way more uh, potential to be the breakout uh, star. Because, I mean, it, that, the patron saints were all Brandon Thurston's creation and 
you know, he guided all of that. From the first two or three seconds of the song, people would boo us out the building. And it was all Brandon's instruction. Like, a, he used to have that audience in the palm of his hand like a orchestra conductor. Yeah, he... <laughs> I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a part of it. Like that was a, that was a, that was a good time. Well, but can't go back. Well, the, the gentleman there, he gave you an eight out of 10. So. Oh, beautiful. Oh man. I'm like a four and a quarter on a good day. This is fantastic. <laughs> well, he must've caught you at a really good show. <laughs> That's right. All right. So let's, um, you know, t- talking to you, Mikey, it sounds like, you know, when you when you refer to yourself as, you know, wrestlers' fathers or them as your sons, it sounds like you take a lot more pride and accomplishment out of seeing these guys go out and do what they do. Is it fair to say that? Oh, yeah. Watching grown folks live their dream. And actually pursue it and try to reach and achieve their goals, not just, you know, play, play at this. You know, you can still have fun and, you know, still can kind of be, you know, don't expect to go make a contract. You know, don't go in it with that, you know, uh, you know, I mean, some people grind, some people hustle, some, some people make those deals, but it's still right place, right time, not right person, still the most dominant thing in my opinion. But watching people go out there and do it. You know, and finally, quote unquote, get it. And they'll, you know, it takes ten years to get it. So that's what I'm waiting for. Finally, somebody to go. Oh, this is how all of this works. Because I still don't know, and I'm sure want them to come back and tell me, right. so we could teach the rest of the guys. Um, how how much gas do you have left in your tank, or how much how many bumps you got left on your bump card? I don't know. Uh, bump card thing is something I don't, I don't really subscribe to. Oh, okay. I, mean, I get, I, I have so many new people that come through these doors. So I'm stuck on like month three, you know, taking hip tosses from new people, getting potatoed. I just got my eye scratched yesterday from a new guy who didn't clip his nails, <laughs> things like that. But get in the ring and have him, I can comfortably, I probably could wrestle for 30 minutes, I think, if it like need be to have a match. I wouldn't want to do it, but. I think if I had to test the limit, it'd be about somewhere about there. All right, Mikey. Um, if people want to uh, want to explore Grapplers Anonymous or they want to get to know more about you, uh, how can people contact you or Grapplers Anonymous? Look up so uh, all of the Grappler social media. Look up Daddy Yeah Productions. On all social media forms, Daddy Ab Productions is our outlet here at the gym and what we live stream on here. So I'd recommend you watch it, you know, live this evening at 7.30 on Facebook. Actually, I will. Um, so I, I, because I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of totally uh, whitewashed over the, the live streams, and I'm, I apologize. I didn't mean to. Um, explain to me what you guys are doing with the live streams. Well, the live streams came out of necessity. You can't let the uh, popcorn burn on the stove, my friend. There was so much people training once we were allowed to open the gym up after, you know, COVID. So many people wanted to be wrestlers and come back and train that that a lot of the people from before times actually got pretty good because they were dedicated. So why not showcase that? 
If we couldn't run live shows in, you know, March, then let's get some internet and, you know, Big Sean's here right now, wheels. I mean, the crew's all filling in. Uh, we looked at each other one day. We sent me a message on the messenger and we go, well, let's fucking do it. And so we did it. I don't mean to swear, but I think that was the general enthusiasm. You know, might as well now than ever. You yeah. know? And the reason why I think you you talked about young Jay Lee earlier is directly because of that. I don't know. You might not have realized that or your listeners, but he uh that his 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 ascension was carefully planned yeah and uh makes me proud that you uh mentioned his name early so how often are you doing the live streams every week every thursday at 7 7:30 uh, p.m. every thursday 7:30 on the grapplers anonymous facebook page nope. oh. daddy yeah facebook oh sorry daddy i'm sorry it's what and yeah, production. Okay. All right. So every Thursday on the Facebook page, Mikey, I want to thank you very much for your time. I'm going to let you go uh, get ready for the live stream, and I am actually going to tune in tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the five year old to bed, either that or get the get the wife to entertain him, and I'll definitely be watching tonight. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for your time. Um, I had fun. If you ever want to reach out again, or if you want to interview one of the talents specifically. Please reach out. Let them know. I will for sure. Thanks again for all your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. I think it made easy. Want to support this podcast? Follow it on the Twitter gimmick at Time to Fight Pod. Follow the host at Announcer Terry. I'm a ring announcer. I'm a damn good one. Visit our website, www.itstimetofight.ca. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, email us at timetofightpod at gmail.com. October 22nd to 24th, It's Time to Fight presents Wrestling with ALS 2021, a weekend full of wrestling podcasts from worldwide, a live wrestling show presented by Moonshine Branded Wrestling, stand-up comedy from members of the wrestling community, and much more. The whole thing will be live-streamed. The wrestling and comedy will be open to the public. And every dollar raised will benefit the ALS Society of Canada. Check out our website, www.itstimetofight.ca, for information, or email us at timetofightpod at gmail.com.